You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Elisa. Time for episode 344 of Geekiest Show Ever. Yep, looking forward to it. We're going to be talking to your mini-me, finally. Yep. So, but little spoiler alert, we already did. (laughs) So we just had an interesting conversation with my son, Shane, who is a teacher, and we talked about teaching in the era of COVID. What is it like? What does he go through? What are the tools that he uses? So that was a good conversation. So we will be bringing that to you shortly. Um. That's really about it for now. Just want to mention um, very, very quickly, Joe Biden won the election. (laughs) Yay. 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 And sadly enough, a little bit before we started to record, we heard the very, very sad news that Alex Trebek has passed away. Yeah. Yeah. From pancreatic cancer. Um, He has he did live longer than he was originally expected, which he's acknowledged many times. But. It was one of those things where you know it's coming, but it still hurts. Yeah, yeah. When you find out icon, so. an icon of my generation. Yeah. So rest in peace, Alex Trebek. So without any further ado, here is the interview. Enjoy the show. Okay, so Melissa and I are here with my son Shane Paselli, the fifth your mini me, my <laughs> mini me, my fifth grade math teacher's son. So, Shane, why don't you give us a little background, tell us what made you decide to become a teacher, and uh, just tell us a little bit about you. All right. Uh, Like my mom said, I'm Shane Paselli. Uh, I believe it was sixth grade when I decided I wanted to be a teacher, and back then it was for a funny reason. Uh, The reason was because I thought grading would be fun which uh, it most definitely is not. Um, (laughs) But since then, the reason I want to be a teacher was because I love working with children and helping children. And as an elementary student, I struggled mightily, didn't like school. My mom laughed at me when I told her I wanted to be a teacher. So I wanted to target those students because I know what it's like to struggle at school, uh, not be a strong reader, not enjoy school. So I really feel like I can use those background skills to help those students who are struggling. Uh, I went to college in the top of New York for four years as an elementary education graduate uh, degree. And then I came back home in the Albany area to do my master's degree as an educational technology specialist. Uh, Trying to find a teaching job in New York was extremely hard. I was a substitute for a couple of years. And then I became a computer aide, which was aid pay. So that was really a very low salary, but it was, it brought me into the elementary schools, which was great. And then you wanted to, you wanted to um, marry technology with education. Did you want to be like a computer lab teacher before you went into math? No, I didn't want to be a computer lab teacher. Or teach computer science? No, the reason I chose the technology as my master's was because I wanted to stick out uh-huh. uh, from education. Smart, yeah. You had literacy, mm-hmm. uh, special education, curriculum and instruction, or technology for your master's. And I wasn't really interested in literacy. Uh, it turned out that at the time in New York, they were begging for uh, teachers who had the literacy background. So unfortunately, I 
did not luck out by choosing technology, but I don't regret choosing technology at all. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> so, look at what we have with STEM is such a rich field right now. It's so yes. important. And he also Definitely. had his mom to help him with uh, projects. Yes. <laughs> yes. We talked about that on a previous podcast. <laughs> yes, she was a huge help. Um, so I was the computer aide for a little over two years. And then December of 2013, a Facebook friend from college posted that there was a job opening at his school in a very rural area in North Carolina. I jumped on it and moved about a oh, month I didn't later. I you've been all the way down south. Yeah, I moved uh, about a month after that interview, January 2014. Taught in North Carolina for two and a half years. Wasn't the best teaching experience, although North Carolina itself was amazing. And then I found this job, and this is currently my fifth year already at the district I'm at in Virginia, on the eastern side of Virginia, another rural district, but it's a great community and I love it. So not too terribly far away from home, you know, a couple hour commute when you want to go visit mom, huh? About seven hours. Yeah. Oh, that is a pretty yeah. big commute. And it's not easy it to fly. It's no. At least uh-uh. when he lived in North Carolina, he lived where there was an airport. So it was easy to fly. It was about 20 minutes away. So that made yeah. it easier. Now you really can't you can fly, but it's a good, what, yeah. hour and a half to an airport? Easily an hour and a yeah. half to it's... the airport, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's so just what have they, you guys done over the years? Have you done road trips and just met each other halfway? Or Lisa, you go down and No, we've only been down and... there once. I don't drive long distances. Oh, yeah, so... she doesn't like to visit me, apparently. Yeah, so I'm, <laughs> I might, because my husband That could doesn't... be a good thing, Shane. Take it while you got it. Well, because my husband <laughs> true, works, true. you know, 100 hours a week, he just doesn't have the time. Yeah. So yeah. unfortunately, we we came down about a month after you moved into your house. Yep. Because I have the big car. So we were able to buy like a lot of the large purchases, get into my car. So we went down for a weekend. Hmm. But now usually yep. Shane comes home to me. So yep. how did you, so you, you got this job in Virginia and that's where you've been for the last five years, did you say? Correct. And this is my fifth year. So was this a, a math opportunity? Like you had you, had you thought that you wanted to teach math or did you just kind of fall into this or how did you end uh, up as a math teacher specifically? I honestly don't quite know how okay. that happened. Um, we know I it's a colleague though. So. Yeah. I went to a job fair, uh, in April of 2016 before I moved to Virginia and it had the surrounding counties. Uh, so I went to several different counties and had interviews had, you know, at the job fair. And then this specific school gave me a call a couple weeks later. Uh, the assistant principal ironically went to the same exact college that I went to oh, in New York. Go. And I feel like that was my end. I feel like mm-hmm. that's how I got sure. it. And the job that he gave me was fourth grade. And at the time, I didn't know what subjects I would teach. So when I came in and met the fourth grade team lead teacher, um, I ended up being, I taught science, language arts, and one math the first year at my school. And then I knew the fifth grade math teacher was leaving. Him and his wife went back home to Ohio where they're from. And I went to the principal and said, hey, I really want fifth grade math. Uh And she gave it to me. And after two years of teaching fifth grade math, I was kind of fed up (laughs) with Uh the age group Uh because they are a lot. (laughs) That's a tough transitional age. So I asked her to go back to fourth grade. So Uh last school year, 
when we got cut off because of COVID, I taught fourth grade again. I taught I taught Virginia studies and one math. And then uh, she asked me right before we closed for COVID, she said, hey, I really need you back in fifth grade math because the current fifth grade math teacher wasn't terribly strong. So uh-huh. she asked me to come yeah. back and I said, okay, I'll come back. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so I bounced I had, around a lot between fourth and fifth. <laughs> so that was my next question is like, it seems like that is kind of, I'll say typical because I've worked in, as I told you, I worked in a couple different elementary schools and I volunteered. So I've, I've been in and out of elementary classrooms, so to say, so to speak. And I have seen that there's just a lot of movement around with teachers. It almost seems like, I don't know if it's part of the course, if it's something that they do to kind of keep things fresh, or if it's a matter of trying to find the right fit. But I have seen, and I've known, you know, friends of mine who are teachers who have kind of like switched back and forth between fourth grade, fifth grade, or sometimes they'll go all the way down to second grade. But it does seem like there's, you know, you are either cut out to be a kindergarten teacher, you know, or there's, there's just very certain, there's very specific age groups. And it does seem like they fluctuate and they move around a little bit. Sometimes it's by choice. Sometimes it's because a a spot needs to be filled and maybe they have a better candidate for this other spot or something. Do you find that to be true at your school? Is there a lot of movement? Like, for example, you're teaching fifth grade now. Um, Do you expect to be teaching fifth grade for the foreseeable future? Or do you expect that maybe you'll go down to third grade or, you know, what, what are your kind of limits? What, what is the age group that you're most comfortable with? And are you willing to ever say, go to middle school or you're like, no, no way. (laughs) You know, do you, do you draw the line at, at, at middle school? So my school has a little bit of both. We have sometimes where there is a lot of movement within grade levels. And there are a lot of times where teachers have been at that grade for a very long time. For example, uh, Second grade teacher's been there for a good 20 years. Before I, le- before I got here, the fourth grade teacher was there for 20 plus years. The fourth grade teacher who I'm friends with, she's been there 14 years. So there are a lot of teachers who have stayed at a grade level. But like you said, sometimes the principal asks us to move based on she feels we might be stronger at a specific grade and so on. So for me specifically, I'm certified K to six. Okay. However, there was a certification thing also. Yep. Mm -hmm. However, our district sixth graders are supposed to go to the middle school next year. Um, I don't believe I'm even allowed to go to the middle school because you need a specific endorsement for sixth grade specific subject. And I don't have that endorsement. Um, And honestly, I would not want to go to middle school. Um, The lowest I'd be willing to teach is probably third grade. Okay. Um, the little kids just yeah. are a little bit too needy for me. Uh-huh. So I enjoy the older kids because you can be a little bit more sarcastic with, with them, which I am at times. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and they understand it and can dish it back at me, which I like. That's and fun. they're still at that age where they like to learn. But you do have several who who don't like to learn uh-huh. and will try to push your buttons. Um, I really don't know what my future holds in terms of will I stay in fifth? Will I go back to fourth? I do know that I do not plan on leaving my school. I'm very happy at okay. my school. It took me a while to find uh, where I am happy, but I don't plan on leaving my school. Um, I had the opportunity last year to become the PE teacher oh. because I took a test to to take to be certified in PE. Uh-huh. And my principal kind of led me to believe I would be the PE teacher this year because we had that void. But then right before COVID, she right. said, I'm sorry, we That's did hire someone else who had more experience than you. 
And that's when she asked me to be, become fifth grade. So I think I will say fifth math for yeah. quite a while, but who knows? She's not out of the question though. <laughs> it's not. I could go to another school, mm-hmm. PE. I'm certified K to 12 for PE, but oh, I do really? not have any interest being a high school PE teacher. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah, and yeah. like I said, I'm happy at my school. So I don't think I'll look at other schools for PE, but who knows? There's definitely something to be said for Cause like I said, I've been in different schools. There's definitely school cultures. And it's different. Yeah. It's like a it's like a whole ecosystem, and it's not a one size fits all for sure. Although they try to make it be that way with with standardized testing, but the, yeah. there's definitely different cultures of schools that I've that I've seen. But suffice it to say, you're you're comfortable within that range of like third to fifth grade. And if you had yes. to switch grades even every year, you'd be you'd be comfortable with that. And that was my other question: was where um, where's the cutoff between? What starts middle school for you guys? So are you saying it's sixth grade? Because here it's sixth grade. That kind of shocked me because growing up, uh, sixth grade for for me as a child was still elementary school. Yeah, for us and too. so, yeah, and it just it depends on the school. Sometimes they're K through five and sometimes they're K through six. So are you guys K through six? Yeah, currently we are K to six. Uh-huh. They're in the process of remodeling our middle school to make it bigger. And as of next school year, 2021, 2022 sixth grade is supposed to go to middle school so we'll be back to k5 okay and a lot of that has to do with enrollment and population people moving out and birth statistics and all that kind of stuff it's it's all very very fascinating yes so so a little bit you know i kind of want to bring it back to you because we are the geekiest show ever so we do like (laughs) to talk a little bit more about the technology parts of things so you mentioned that you studied um technology you know and I guess a, a new question that I have for you is what about that studying do you feel helps prepare you for what we're now in the midst of for what we're now, what you've been kind of like, you know, what's been put on your lap now with all of this technology and having to teach remotely. And maybe we should take a little bit of a step back and um, you explain the history of how you got into teaching. And now we're talking about where you are with teaching, but then also explain a little bit to the listeners about, you know, where you are in your state and are you like I know, but for the listeners' benefit, are you teaching remotely? Are you teaching hybrid? Um, what does it look like at your school right now? And and how has your technology background helped either prepare you for this or um, kind of you know informed you about what was to come? Yes. So our district closed on Friday, March thirteenth, and, and that was what- we found out together. Oh yeah, because we were yes, yeah. We, we I was down in Virginia at a mutual relative's house for an event, and Shane met me there, and we found out oh. together. Oh wow! That schools were closing. Yes. So Friday, March thirteenth, our superintendent came up with a plan for us to be in person for a couple of days, closed in person. That plan an hour later was null and void when our governor said you're closed for two weeks. And then about a week later, he said, you're closed for the rest of the year. Um, Our district did not do much in terms of remote learning from March until uh, June. June, we did Summer Connect, which summer is basically summer school, where I taught from home. And I had a two-computer setup where I could see my students and work with them. Uh, Currently, right now, we are teaching 100% online, no in-person. There's been a lot of changes to that. 
Um, there's been a lot of parents who want their students back in person. There's been plans to come back in person, but then our board has ultimately decided that we are not going back to in-person instruction until at least January 19th, which is right after Martin Luther King Day. That's the end of our second quarter. So that's the current plan. But of course, that could change tomorrow with the next board meeting. So who knows? <laughs> it's it's fascinating to, to talk to you about it and hear about your plans because it's just so almost opposite here on the other side of the country. Things are right. just so wildly different. And so out here, you know, I can imagine how fatigued you are out there and out here where I feel like we're even more so fatigued, not that it's a competition or anything like that, but my husband's been at this since August. You know, we never stopped the teaching process. You know, our, our teachers, because we, we did close down in March um, for, for school, but see, we were, our, oh, let's see, how, how did it go? We were, when it happened, we were at the end of, because you know how we, we go back earlier out here. We mm -hmm. start in August. Um, sometimes it's even like for the teachers to go back physically, it's in July and it just, it feels like it creeps up earlier and earlier and earlier. Um, so let's see, the kids last day of school was like May, I want to say 23rd, somewhere around there. It's before, is it a Memorial day? So That's May is when, ours and, too. is it? We start oh, okay. So then it's as somewhere. well, yeah. Yeah. So May, so then June, March, March, April, May. So we had March, April and May left. And like my son was supposed to go on his eighth grade class trip and that got canceled. That was going to be to Disney. And that Oof. was a big, big to do. I remember like you said, March 13th, like it was Friday the 13th. I'll never yep. forget. That was like the day the world ended for us kind of. Um, and so our teachers kind of scrambled too. And so it sounds like, did you do that too? Like what happened in March? Did you, you, you kind of scrambled to, to do some classes remotely? Cause you kind of had to finish out the year with students. Did you? Cause we did. Because we so, had to finish out March and April and May, and we used Google Classroom. Like, it was just kind of, like, all, like, put together. And, you know, we were actually kind of happy with it but when it was going on. We thought, okay, we can do this. But then, right. yeah, then it started to drag. Yeah, unfortunately, we did not continue teaching at all. Uh, we were told so what, not what does to that look like? Her. I can't imagine yeah. what that looks like. Cause I said, we just kind of kept going. What did, what did that look like? So we were told not to contact our parents or do anything. Wow. So what happened was maybe the, like just an, a shutdown. Yeah. So I think it was huh. maybe the third week of school of schools being closed. Our district said, let's put together math packets and reading packets for the students to pick up curbside pickup. Correct. Of stuff that we have not taught fourth quarter. Um, so what I did on my own, I had no really input as to what was being made for the packets. I just said, Hey, we haven't taught this topic, this topic, this topic. And then the math specialist would put together some stuff. But what mm -hmm. I did on my own was I created videos on YouTube teaching the kids, hey, here's how you do such and such topic, such and such topic. And I kind of talked them through it. I would email the parents and said and say, hey, check out this video on how to do measurement. I know that was one topic I didn't teach in fourth grade math and stuff like that. And the parents were very, very appreciative. And what I also did was once a week I would do Zoom videos and then I was told not to do Zoom since we had Google Meet. So mm -hmm. then I did Google Meet and I just let the kids talk to each other for an hour. I didn't teach. I just let them communicate with each other. And I just kind of sat in the background and let them talk. If they asked me something, of course I would answer. And the parents were like, 
oh my gosh, thank you for yeah. letting them have that opportunity to see each other and have fun. They look forward to it every week. So that's what I did to stay in contact with the parents and the students. But in terms of teaching, I did very, very little from March until I did Summer Connect in June, which is very different than a lot of school districts. Well, Shane, I'm going to surrounding have to, districts. I'm going to have to correct correct you there because when you say you did very little, <laughs> no, you did a lot actually. Yeah. I would not I say did you did others. very little. Yeah. I know it probably feels that way to you because you're used to teaching for you might mean something, but for us as as parents and community members, that does mean a lot. And I can tell you that speaks to your answer speaks to three things. It's your your personal conviction and your calling. I mean, it's a calling to be a teacher. You mm-hmm. have to kind of answer that calling. And it sounds like that's what you were doing. And the second thing is, I bet that probably helped you prepare, whether or not you knew you were doing it at the time, but it sounds like you were doing a lot of like processing, of like how am I going to wrap my head around doing this in a digital way? And I think that's really fantastic. And just, you know, kind of rising to the challenge of creating those videos. Nobody asked you to do that but you felt it was necessary to do that. And it really was. And then the third thing that is so important is, and that's, that's what everybody's really hurting about, you know, never mind the economy. Of course, that's, you know, obvious, but the socialization with kids. And I can't tell you how much I appreciated it. And I, and almost, I guess that's what's frustrating me now is I feel like we've lost it a little bit because now where we are is we're kind of like back to work mode, which it feels good. Like it feels good that the kids are kind of hitting their stride a little bit, but my little one's still struggling. They're still struggling with this total another lack of socialization because of of the way things are. And for you to have done that early on, where you realize that these kids just need to see each other. They just need to see each other. They need to goof around. They need to show each other their slime. I think you put that in, in the message that cracked me up. I sure did. Message. Yep. They oh, love they slime. The, the pets and the slime. <laughs> yeah. They loved I mean, it. Just to give them that opportunity, and and I can't tell you, I know you don't have kids of your own, but my gosh, if I mean when that was happening a little bit with my with my kiddos early on, because I like we we said I have a I have a fifth grader, so I have like a student, you know, that kind of fits in in your in your lifestyle there too. And so yeah, that that was happening early on with um, they were kind of doing what I I was thinking about at the time is kind of like icebreakers or just kind of like you know. Let's just, and even my husband at the high school level, they kind of did instruct the teachers a little bit as to say, don't focus so much on academics right now. Just, you know, get to know the kids, ask them questions, um, get them like kind of talking. It was just kind of a a support kind of thing, you know, getting to know Mm -hmm. people, having the kids be able to see each other early on in language arts. What I really appreciated that, that my kiddos teacher did was she was reading to them. She was reading a story to them. and you know, we're, we're kind of a high performance family. You know, we, we, I don't, I don't like to see like idle hands or laziness. I'm kind of strict when it comes to that. And I, I did struggle with this a little bit, but then I learned how to relax. There are a couple of times where I'd go into his room and he'd be sitting there and he's all like, you know, curled up in his, in his chair and he's not sitting up straight, you know, <laughs> like this is not the time to be telling kids sit up straight and, you know, put your hands on your desk and stop wiggling around. No, he was just all kind of curled up in his bed and or not in his bed, in his, his uh, wheelie chair, but other kids were curled up in their bed. They'd take their Chromebooks into bed and the teacher was reading to them. And a couple of times you could see kids like, uh, we're going to lose them, <laughs> fall asleep. <laughs> and you yeah. could, the teacher would be like, you know, so-and-so, you know, wake up. And all the kids would giggle because the kid fell asleep, you know, 
it was just really cute. At the time, I was like, oh, my gosh, a kid fell asleep in class. That's terrible. That's awful. And then I realized that, oh, how how wonderful is it that these kids are made to feel safe? You know, they're safe. A teacher is giving them attention while their parents might be, you know, we're all going out of our minds trying to figure out how to keep our, our family safe. But never mind, while we're worrying about that, the teachers are there. They're there. Maybe not in person, but they're there. They're, you're still there. You're still being present and in the moment and just, you know, reading to the kids and doing whatever's necessary, answering that calling, processing, preparing for, for what is to come and being there for the kids so that they can sit in front of the computer and they're, they're not thinking about COVID. They're not thinking about all this other stuff. In fact, I, I've noticed that a lot. Um, teachers are, at least out here, they're kind of careful to not say things like, um, they're not, they don't say like, you know, when we come back to school, like next year or something like that. They just say, you know, when, when we get together, when school starts, they never literally say dates or anything. It's, it's never put in a language that makes the kids like, feel like, well, we're never going back to school again, or we're not going to see each other for a whole year like that. They're really careful. I'm very careful about choose their words very, very carefully when it comes Mm -hmm. to little kids like that. And, and that's been something that, you know, parents have had to pay attention to, too. So yeah. I, I have to say, I mean, I think, I mean, I know I'm biased because I'm married to a teacher and, I, and I've worked in schools, but teachers are heroes right now. You guys really are because you're there for the kids. You've shown up for them in, in so many ways that we never thought we'd ever have to do. So I just wanted to thank you for that personally. Um, and I just think it's, it's wonderful that you guys have been able to do this and all of the, the prep work that you've done has not gone unnoticed. <laughs> um, so, so where are you at with it now? You've said that you're, you're comfortable. You know, it was, it was very stressful in the beginning. You said trying to learn all of this stuff and put these things together and you're making these videos and you're preparing these, these packets and supplementation just to try to, you know, get the kids cared for. But now you're, you're kind of meeting, you're, you've hit a stride, would you say? So I'll start back to when I did Summer Connect. That's mm-hmm. when we did Google Classroom, and we were only required to meet with our students for one hour a week. So that's when I really made a lot of math instructional videos. Hey, I want you to do this page from the book. And then the next video would be, hey, here's how you answer this page from the book. And then the live video, the live uh, Google Meet would be where I teach another lesson from the book that the students were provided. Summer Connect was an optional program for any student in our district, and we had a huge turnout. I had, uh, we have three elementary schools in my district. I had about 90 fourth graders going up to fifth who signed up to do it, and then I had about 45 sign up for my Google Classroom, and then roughly 20 to 25 would come each week to my live hour of teaching. So it was a good turnout. That's a- um, so I was under the impression that we were going to use Google Classroom starting in August when we went back to virtual teaching. That's where I was. So I was comfortable and ready, and I was going to be a go-to person to help other teachers with that technology. You had a workflow. You knew where the buttons were. You knew where to point your eyeballs. (laughs) And then we were told, nope, we're going to use this program called Canvas. And that's where we had hours upon hours of training videos to watch to learn this new online platform. And then there was this camp canvas conferencing feature similar to Zoom, similar to Google Meet. So my fifth grade teachers and I, we learned how to use that. We played with it. We did breakout rooms. We tried it. 
And then we were told, never mind, we're not going to use that conferencing feature because um, we didn't exactly the cost. They didn't have enough subscriptions or whatever for the entire district. So then we went back to Google Meet, not specifically Google Classroom. We kept the Canvas platform. I basically created a website, you know, with all of the modules is what they're called and all of the assignments. And yeah, it was a lot to learn. There were a lot of mistakes. Oh, I didn't publish it. Oh, I forgot to change this so that they would get points for that. It was a lot to learn. It was very frustrating uh, yeah. being told, hey, use use Canvas conferences. Wait, never mind. We're going to use Google Classroom. So it was yeah. frustrating. But yeah, I'm definitely in a stride now. Um, I think Canvas is easy to use now that I've been using it since August. Um, and I was actually worried. Our original plan was to come back to in-person in October. And I was kind of upset about that just because I put so many hours into Canvas. And now, oh, never mind. But now, like I said, we are back in January. And uh, I'll have Canvas through at least <laughs> January. And then our tentative plan, actually, I don't know. I don't know if they've actually set a plan in terms of hybrid or all in person. So I'm sure we'll still use Canvas um next semester, but now, possibly Canvas, not as much. Is Canvas the LMS? Is it the learning management system? Is that you yes. said that's where the assignments are stored, right? Yes. Because it's kind of that's similar to what we have. And I know like from what I've observed from my husband and with my kiddos, my husband is doing something similar. They're using Google Meet. Mm-hmm. But their, I want to say their LMS is a combination of PowerSchool and I can't remember if they're, I don't think they're using Google Classroom. You know, to be honest with you, what I've observed out here is it's very cobbled together. It's kind of like mm-hmm. whatever works. And and yes. like you said, plans just change so quickly. You just, you really have to be able to think outside the box. You have to be able to think think on your feet. You have to be flexible. Um, it's hard. And I know from working with teachers, from being the support person for teachers, it is really hard. And this is not a dig, you know, personality wise, but I have seen how hard it is for them to let go of, you know, they, I, I joke with my, my husband and I say he's such a Luddite, you know, you can pry his slide rule from his cold dead hands. You know what I mean? He's very, but they get very attached to their programs, to their, their ways of doing things. Because you do, you put so much of an investment of time and energy into learning these technologies. And then for somebody to just come and say, oh, well, either we lost the funding or we decided to go with us with other tool or it's no longer being supported or it doesn't fit, you know, it doesn't fit anymore or we can't afford it anymore. Or, you know, along came this new shiny. I mean, I personally, I've been so frustrated with having worked in schools and work, working as a site tech support person. I can't tell you the times where I have been called into, hey, Melissa, can you come set up the projector for us in this room? We're going to have this meeting here, you know, the principals or, or whoever, somebody in admin or even the, the library, you know, media specialist, they're interviewing this company because they want to sell this software package. And I can remember a time where they would come in, I would, you know, set up the meeting, get it ready for them. And I would kind of like be eavesdropping because I'm thinking, well, this is technology. This involves my lab. You're talking about installing software that's going to involve me at some point i'm going to have to be the one that's installing all this stuff and i i heard conversations where they're talking about buying this package and it's going to cost this many thousands of dollars and yet no one because i wasn't invited to the meeting 
no one is asking the question, what are the specs? What are the system requirements? Have you thought to maybe ask me if the machines can even handle it and for how long? Right. You know, uh, are we going to need RAM? You know, like I have all these questions swirling around in my mind and I'm thinking, you know, they're, they're not not always the people that are right for the job or are are getting together and answering those questions. So it's very, very cobbled together. And I can see how immensely frustrating it must be when there may or may not be a lot of oversight when a decision has to be made on, oh, well, you know, sorry, all these teachers spent their entire summer and training and professional development, and maybe they were paid and maybe they weren't, most likely they weren't, spending all of this time investing, learning this thing, and then we're going to just change it up on you and we're going to try this other thing. It's like, well, (laughs) that wasn't time very well spent. So I guess my next question then is, you know, it sounds like, and this is just what I've seen with my husband and with my kids' teachers, it sounds like you're always having to like reinvent yourself. Um, have you felt now with this experience that like, you know, things, things not only maybe uh, can change, but will change. So are you at a, at a point where can you let go of that? Can, can you say to yourself, okay, I know I just spent all of this time learning this thing and now they want me to learn this new thing. Oh, it's such, it's so frustrating. How do you, do you have any advice for teachers about letting go and saying, okay, it's time to learn this new thing? I mean, you guys are perpetual students, you know, you're the teachers, but you're also the students. You have to learn all this stuff. Yes. Um, I am okay with learning a new thing because like I said, uh, we learned a brand new testing platform this year. We learned a new online program called Canvas. Uh, IEP te- uh, special education teachers learned the new IEP system they had to use. So I'm okay letting go of Canvas. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully not for good because one good thing about Canvas was virtual Virginia, um, where the state of Virginia provided lessons for us for math, which I incorporate. Yes, I do my own stuff with math, but I also incorporate videos and stuff from the virtual Virginia lessons. So that's been good. Lots I of also resources. wanted to Absolutely. Excellent resources. I also wanted to point out you were talking about PowerSchool and Google Classroom. I do know a lot of teachers who have their Google Meet link on Canvas, and that's Mm -hmm. all they do on Canvas. And they use Google Classroom for their assignments. I do not. I have all my assignments on Canvas, submitted through Canvas. However, we also use PowerSchool to enter our grades, and that's where parents look at grades. And it has been very difficult and confusing for parents because they see such and such assignment on Canvas being graded a certain way, and then a different score on PowerSchool, which is the official grade. So it's been very confusing for parents, which is understandable. And we've had a lot of emails saying, but wait, why was it not graded on Canvas? It says it wasn't turned in, but my son swear he turned it in. Oh, yeah. That's been really challenging. That's That's so been sh- a big hair puller here. So Shane, building off of something that Melissa just said, uh, it sounds like that the teachers were not involved in any discussions over the summer about how to proceed in the future. Has anything changed since then? Are any of the teachers getting involved or the parents getting involved? You know, like Melissa said, if the school district is buying new technology, but they don't involve at least the technology teachers in the school, they don't know if they're making the right choices. They should be speaking with the teachers to say, that's not going to work because of this reason we already tried it, or at least have their opinions on what isn't, what's ahead of them should the teachers have to use this new whatever that the district wants them to do. So 
Do you have any input or is it just they tell you what to do and you do it? I'm glad you brought that up because just a couple (laughs) of weeks ago, I was joining a committee. So yes, March until about a couple of weeks ago, I don't believe they really asked for a lot of teacher input or parent input. Parents were emailed many, many different surveys on whether they want 100% virtual, hybrid, and so on. But they were emailed so many different surveys that it was frustrating for them. A couple of weeks ago, my principal asked me to be part of a committee that the superintendent is putting together to discuss reopening in January. There's about 50 of us on this committee. And then the superintendent chose subcommittees of um, elementary level, middle school level, high school level. And the committee he put me on was athletics. So my committee is with just two other male teachers. Both are athletic directors. One is the high school, one is the middle school. And our plan is pretty much laid out for us by the state of Virginia. They already have a reopening of athletics plan. But yes, and also this committee of about 50 people, they did invite parents to be a part of this committee so that they could have parent input as to how things should proceed with the reopening. So I wish this committee was put together back in April or May, but of course, COVID was so new, we had no clue what was going to happen. So part of me understands why they didn't have this type of reopening committee that they do now. Uh, I, I hope that we can learn from these experiences and and now with, you know, I don't want to get political, <laughs> but now that, you know, things, hopefully there'll be, be some progress and that the theme of this will be to listen to teachers, listen to parents, even students. I mean, committees are going to be so important. We need to listen to science. We need to listen to technologists. We need to listen to educators, all of these people. It can't just be all about the top down. It can't just be all about admin making all the decisions with not a whole lot of oversight and input. I, I understand how, from one perspective, you could say, well, you know, teachers are, are already burdened with so much. You know, why give them one more job to do? Now you have to be on a committee and, you know, now the weight is, is being put on you to, you know, weigh in on these things. You know, maybe that shouldn't be your job. Maybe that should be the job of HR, or, you know, some other, some other group of people. But you still need to have, you can't just be like, okay, here, we've decided on this. Just do it. You've got to have that feedback. What I hope is that there's going to be some kind of observation. Like I just noticed um, the other day when my kiddo was in class, there was someone who came into the classroom. Um, so I just explained a little bit about what it's like for, for contrast here in our Arizona. Uh, we have kids that are in person. Like we have always had in-person classes for, we have a lot of healthcare workers whose, whose kiddos have no place to go. Um, your your state out there in Virginia, they completely locked down. And it sounds like to me, they were going in the right direction as far as um, getting the the curve flattened and getting the caseloads down. You have very low case numbers. Out here, we have very high case numbers. Um, so we've always had in-person contact, and that has been both good and bad, obviously. Um, but it sounds to me like there needs to be more meetings of the minds, you know, people weighing in on this. Um, a little bit back to, I want to circle back around to the the LMS and, you know, how frustrating it is and confusing it is because I don't think there has been a whole lot of that oversight. It could be that, you know, maybe it's somebody's job to just look at the numbers and say, okay, here's what we can afford. Or, you know, here are these free tools. We're going to use these free tools and, or here's what we've already invested in and signed a contract for. Like, for example, 
I know that there's a difference between, I think it's called the SIS, the Student Information System. That's like the power school and like we use Infinite Campus. That's where all the grading goes. And then there's the LMS and that's the learning management system. And that's where all the assignments are, are housed. And then there's the intermediary, which is like the conferencing, calling, videoing portion. And that can be either Google Meet or Google Hangouts or Zoom. And for us, for us here, for my kids, they're using a combination of there's basically like three, three uh, products or tools. There's Zoom for the video conferencing. And there's actually there's four. There's Zoom for the video conferencing. There's Infinite Campus for the grading system. And then there's Schoology. I don't know if that's one you've heard of. There's Schoology for the yes. LMS. But then, <laughs> then to store everything, we're still using Google Drive and, and Google for you know email. Like That's how they sign in. That's their single sign-in. And right. you also brought up in, in the questions that we asked, um, you also brought up Clever. So there's also Clever. There's BrainPop. So, oh my yep. gosh, I mean, talk about cobbled together. <laughs> yes, it's resource rich and that's wonderful, but as from a parent, it's a nightmare <laughs> to have to, you know, over, so over the, uh, at the end of last school year, I spent way too much time, like, you know, probably hours at my son's, not even, we didn't have his Chromebook at the time, but I knew that they were going to, we do have one-to-one -one here. So we have Chromebooks uh, for nice. all the students, both my husband's and my school. Nice. But the problem is, as I just outlined, you have all of these tools that we have to use. Yes. And then sandwiched in between is the video conferencing. And I really just don't think that these Chromebooks were built or designed to be able to handle all of the stuff that we're throwing at them. Right. And so, um, so that leads into another question that I have for you about, you know, going back to the technology is um, when you sit down to teach your classes, are you seeing their cute little faces? Are you are they <laughs> keeping their cameras on? Because I tell you, out here, it's it started out nice because I think what was happening was uh, we were kind of scrambling and kids were using a combination of mobile phones and their parents' computers. So, you know, we were just cobbling it together. We were just kind of putting it together. They're like, okay, you have to use this tool for this purpose and this tool for this purpose and this tool for this purpose. <clears throat> okay, so, you know, we got it all installed. And then we all were like, oh, my God, we don't have the bandwidth. But now we all have to, like, upgrade our routers or, right. you know, we have to buy, you know, an additional data plan or, oh, my gosh, we're running out of data. I mean, it was just a cluster. <laughs> it was just, it was really, really frustrating. And now, you know, we're kind of hitting our, our stride a little bit as like, okay, we know these are the tools we need to use. We also know, as we established, that we have to be prepared to let go of those things. So just as, as you're saying, you know, it took you this investment of time and energy to learn how to navigate and teach classes with these tools, the parents now also have to do it because now the parents have to figure out, we have to learn the tools too so that we can help the kids because, right. and I always say that I'm very hesitant. I do not like to use the word homeschooling because that is not what I'm doing. I am not homeschooling my, ch my children. No. There are legitimate homeschoolers and I support that, but, but this and that are two different things. I am assisting with distance learning with remote learning, you know, whatever you want to call it, distance or, or remote. Um, but I do feel a little bit of the pangs of what it must be like to be a homeschooler because now I am having to supplement and I am having to, so many kids are getting left behind. As great of, of a job as you guys are doing, there's still something missing and you know that that can't be helped. And so we're kind of having to fill in the blanks. My kids get really frustrated with me. I'm like, but hey, if you were in school right now, you would have a dean, you would have a disciplinarian, you would have, 
you know, they wouldn't have a school nurse, unfortunately, but I'm the school nurse. I'm the dean. I'm the disciplinarian. I'm I'm the principal, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I am the one who knocks here at home, you know, so you will answer to me, you know, so it's, 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 I have to wear so many hats and I'm so frustrated and exhausted. I, I, I too feel the calling. I mean, I'm, I'm an educator in, in what, what I do myself. So I do feel the calling and I do feel like it's necessary to do this work, but boy, is it exhausting. And there's so much to learn. So how is it for you? You know, you've kind of hit a stride as far as these tools, but what are some of the other, um, I don't want to use frustration, but what are some of the other challenges that you're having to overcome as far as like now kids are kind of like dropping off, you know, they might not always be turning their camera on. And, you know, sometimes you want to be man, you think, oh, you know, they don't have their camera on because they're lazy, because they just, you know, they're fatigued, they're, they're just not wanting to try. But what I have found from talking to my husband and from observing what I observe with the kiddos, like I said, we have, we do have Chromebooks, we do have one-to-one. That's nice, right? But like I said, they're they're not the best at being able to share their video. And what's what I see is happening, like for example, at the high school level. So I have a high schooler and an elementary kid. At the high school level, there's the social aspect where the high schoolers, they don't want to show their face. You know, never mind like when they're in person, they're like they're wearing hoodies and they want to cover their face with their hair. That's Absolutely. just developmentally appropriate, right? We we expect that that's gonna happen. And so you know that there's that going on. But then there's also the fact that even at the at the little kid age, they do want to show their camera. They do want to show their video. But then what ends up happening is when you start throwing all these other things at it, like, okay, now we're going to go into this assessment tool and I need to be able to see your screens or I'm using Hapara and I need to, need to be able to observe what you're doing. And oh, by the way, you also have to be showing your camera. You also have to have your microphone on. All of this uh, bandwidth is being throttled through these devices and it just can't keep up. So I'm sitting there like observing classes and, and maybe you see this too. Like you probably hear this, Mr. It's like you hear the kids like trying to ask the question. Like right now my 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 little one's going through spelling bee practice and uh it's interesting trying to listen to them like call in, you know, to 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 unmute themselves and say something and it's, you know, I mean, we do a podcast and Lisa and I are used to that. You know, you might hear some artifacting when you go to listen to this because we're running this through Skype. And then to have that be like a, just a constant, it's just, that's how it is, you know, when you're conducting these classes. Um, so what kind of challenges are you having to to deal with now as far as that's concerned? Are your kids coming? Are they keeping their cameras on? Are they able to keep their cameras on? Not let alone do they want to anymore? Uh, good point. Uh, two quick things I wanted to point out that you were talking about before, and then I'll come back to that. Number one is you were saying most of your state of Arizona is back to in-person. In Virginia, we do have a lot of surrounding counties that are doing hybrid plans, just my county for whatever reason is not. The second thing is uh, the committee. You said some teachers don't want to be on the committee. I'm a, I was actually honored to be chosen because my principal thought that highly of me. They wanted one three to six teacher for the committee and she chose me. So I was honored. Yes, it is one more thing I have to do, Mm -hmm. but I was also honored to be chosen. So now back to your technology question and frustrations, you are absolutely correct. Beginning of the year, many students had their cameras on, they were ready to go. Now I teach three different blocks of students. So about 60 students total, and majority of them do not have their camera on. 
And that is very challenging for me because at that age, they know, oh, my camera's off. Now let me go play video games. He'll Mm -hmm. never call on me. And when I do call on that student, I purposely call on students with their camera off because to see if they're there. One student the other day who is camera is always on, she's always participating. She said, I want you to call on me more. And I flat out told her, I said, you do know I don't call on you because I know you know the answer. And I want to call on other students to see if they know. She's like, I know, but I love participating. And I said, I love that, but I want to call on other students. So yes, um, attendance has been really good in terms of students logging on when they're supposed to. Uh However, I have two that I can think of, one in my block one, one in my block two, that will log on, but every time I call on them, they aren't there. And I have made countless phone calls, countless emails to their parents, and it hasn't been successful um, in terms of reaching out to them. I have made contact with them, and they'll say, yeah, we'll, I'll get my child to do such and such assignment or to do make sure that he's online. But unfortunately, that hasn't been successful to the point where I contact the counselor to have her reach out to the family and say, hey, this is not working. Because, um, and then I also have other students who might show up to class super late and then leave early or show up on time and leave super early. And I try to make note of that. And I try to contact that parent and say, hey, your child came late, your child came early, left early. Um, I try to also reach out to parents when I don't see the child at all to see if it's because they were having technology issues. Or a lot of times when I tell the parent that the child didn't show up, they said, I had no idea. Thank you for telling me. They will be on tomorrow. So the cool thing about Google Meet is right after I close out of that Google Meet, within two minutes, I get an email that tells me exactly what time I logged on and left exactly what time every other student logged on and left. And I keep all of those emails just in case a parent says, my child was on. I can go back to the email on that specific day and say, no, they weren't. So it has been uh, frustrating in terms of getting work from some students. And I do see a lot of um, academic struggles uh, falling behind because I'm working my tail off to teach them. but. Like you said, sometimes they hear me as, uh, 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 and sometimes I hear them the same way. And they'll, they'll shout out and say, Mrs. Priscilla, my screen is black. And I'll say, leave it and come back. Mm-hmm. Leave the Google Meet and come right back. And they do, especially mm-hmm. the students who are trying to work. They will leave and come right back, which is frustrating to me because I don't know if they're leaving because of technology issues mm-hmm. or if they're leaving to leave. But we make the... I do the best I can with what I've got, you know, and I have office hours in the afternoon and I try to encourage students to come and ask questions if they're stuck on a topic. And I have a couple who do. Mr. Paselli, division's really hard right now. Can you help me with that? Absolutely. I bust out my whiteboard and we work on some division. Um, I didn't understand how to get to this assignment. Can you help me? Absolutely. I love when kids do that because they're taking charge of their learning. And I'll tell you what. If I were a fifth grader, when I was a fifth grader, I wouldn't have done that because oh, I did I can, not like school oh, when I was I in can, fifth grade. I can attest to that. <laughs> but speaking of that, my though, mom would definitely say, 
get help, Shane, if you need it. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, mom. Yeah. No, all, all I wouldn't do you. that in all fifth grade. All three of you. <laughs> it's like a broken record. If you don't get it, stay after school with the teacher. That's what they're there yeah. for. That's why they have office hours. But what have you learned? as a teacher and as a person during all of this, like what do you think you have learned this experience has taught you between COVID and between teaching online? Um, as a teacher, even before COVID, I already knew to wash my hands and sanitize profusely. So I didn't Germs. have to learn. <laughs> I did not have to learn how to wash my hands more thoroughly because I've already been doing that. Um, yeah. When you're around kids that age, it's like they're still losing teeth and they're still oh, coming yeah. up and like talking to you and spitting bloody on you. Bloody nose, sneezing. Bloody noses. All oh, of it. Yeah. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, yeah. That's why you have blood board pathogen training, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Every year. Yes. Uh -huh. Every year. In addition to CPR. and EpiPens and all the other trainings yep. that we have. Mandatory Diabetes reporting. training. Yep. Uh -huh. Um, what have I learned? What was the question again? As my as self or well, as a teacher through, through and COVID. as a person. Yeah. Like what mm -hmm. you know, how have what have you learned about teaching, about life, about, you know, okay. however you want yeah, what's, to what's the COVID crash course? <laughs> so as a teacher, even before COVID, you learn to be extremely flexible and spontaneous. Uh, because sometimes you walk in in the morning and you have your plan ready to go. And the principal says, Hey, we're doing this at this time. And you're like, Oh, I can't do that plan. So you learn to be spontaneous and fix it. Um, same thing with during COVID, as we've talked about, so many things have changed. You're going to use this program. No, wait, no, you're not. You're going to use this program. No, wait, no, you're not. So you just learn to be as patient as possible. Uh, be as flexible as possible, be as accommodating as possible. Uh, I am not a parent myself, so I don't completely understand what parents are going through, but I try to empathize with them because I know it cannot be easy with them trying to do their job, them trying to get their child to get onto their computer to do their classes, bring their children to daycare so that they can work. Um, so I try to be accommodating and helpful with that. We appreciate that um, so much. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we try to be a little bit more strict quarter two with due dates. Like we try to keep uh, an assignment open for two full weeks to give them time. One I've particular parent, <laughs> one particular parent emailed us back and was not happy with that because her middle school child, they didn't have that type of strict deadline. But in my opinion, I feel like two weeks is plenty of time to get that assignment done at whatever time works for you. If it's seven at night, because some of my students do yeah. their work at seven at night. I don't care what time you do your work, just get it done. I prefer you don't do it at 1030 at night. You right. should be in bed, but I have no control over that. I know. I worry um, about the time stamps. Like sometimes I'm in there looking yes. at something at 11 PM. So just so you know, it wasn't my little one. It was mom. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely see this timestamp. I'm like, oh, you're up at 1030 doing that. Okay. And mm -hmm. another concern I have is there's two requirements every day for my math students. One is this three-a-day assignment, just three questions a day. And the other is this program called Extra Math, which um, is adding, subtracting, multiplying, and division fact fluency. Mm -hmm. It is not the most exciting, right. but it's extremely important for fact fluency. That's and like I have memorization and recall, right? Exactly. It's mm -hmm. just nine times five, boom, nine times three, and just complete continuous. It asked them for about 10 minutes straight of just those rote memorization, which isn't the most exciting, but it's so important. Anyway, it, it really I've is. noticed that 
some students have done it during my math live instruction, and I've called them out. I don't see it while they're doing it, but I'll see it later, and I'll email them and say, hey, you cannot be doing that during, oh, well, I was listening to you and doing it. No, you need your full attention on me and not working on extra math during class. You do that after class. And my two requirements should take the students about 15 minutes after uh, asynchronous learning, after live teaching is done. Um, So I personally don't think it's a lot. Sometimes I do throw a third assignment uh, to give them. Like tomorrow, I have them doing a multiplication of decimal assignment, which will take them a little bit of time. However, I'm not going to know if they did it with a calculator or if they did it, you know, without. That kind of leads us to the last question before Melissa teaches us something, you and I, because I know you've got to get going. Um, What advice do you have for teachers who are struggling right now, or maybe a college student, or maybe just an older adult who went back to school and wants to be a teacher? Do you recommend they become a teacher, or do you think run for the hills, (laughs) or should should current teachers just leave? Do you recommend that they just leave and find something else? I mean, do you what kind of positive reinforcement do you have that you can share with us? So as a teacher right now, stick together with other teachers, vent to other teachers because we know what you're going through. Um, Be understanding of all your students and their parents because you don't know their specific home life situation. Really try to work with them to get that child to do that assignment. Um, In terms of staying with the profession, stick it out. you knew going into this profession that it wouldn't be easy. And during a pandemic, it has become that much harder. And as a teacher, you're typically very flexible and open to change. So be remain flexible, remain open to change because you know change is going to happen constantly. Don't get frustrated about it. Just basically suck it up and deal with it because you have to. And then try not to show that frustration to your students because they will see it, especially the fifth graders. They see all of your frustrations. They see all of your panic and your patience or impatience. Um, So that was a good thing with me in terms of technology, having that summer connect to play with it. I learned how to be more patient with it. I've been very lucky. I teach at school where some teachers do teach at home. For the most part, our school internet has been good, and I have not been kicked out very often. A couple days ago, it did get kicked. I did get kicked out during class, and I was getting a little bit frustrated. Which, and I told the kids, I'm like, I know it's not your fault. I'm getting kicked out, but I was able to get back on about five minutes later, and I just said, if it happens again, you know what to do. Do your three a day. Do your extra math. Um, but my patience was kind of yes. But my patience was kind of gone that day, and I had a kid shouting out a lot. I said, if you shout out one more time, I'm kicking you out because I do have the remove button. I can remove the student. And that's the cool thing about Google Meet as well. You can turn off the chat because a lot of times with my math, I'll have them type the answer in the chat. But if I see they're talking about not math stuff, boop, I just click a button and turn it off. Super Mm -hmm. easy. That Um, must be a nice feature that you like now that you didn't have when it was in person. (laughs) I love that feature. (laughs) Whenever whenever we do get to go back in the classroom, I, I can just imagine all the teachers going, Where's the mute button? <laughs> well, I, I'm going to be telling students jokingly, like, mute yourself. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, that'll that, be that'll be funny. That'll be something to look yeah, forward to as, as a that holdover. That is the bad part, though, is they yeah. can unmute themselves so easily. See, even that's if why you mute yep. them, they can unmute. And they know. They know they, they can unmute themselves. But I like the turn off the chat feature. But in terms of uh, teachers 
who uh, college students who are becoming teachers really think about, is this what you want? Um, this is not a nine to five job. This is a 24 seven job. Yes, it is. I'm always thinking about the next thing I have to do at bed. I toss and turn thinking about what I have to do tomorrow. Oh, did I remember to do that? Oh, <laughs> let me write down a sticky note. I got to do this. The job never ends. Even it's like in the being summer. a parent. Yeah, it is like being a parent. Like I said, I am not one, but no. You don't get to watch them like go to sleep end. and tuck them in at night. Yeah. And, you know, think it no. was all worth it for that day. Unless they fall asleep in your class, of course. Yeah. No, <laughs> teaching doesn't end. I'm at mm-hmm. school a good two hours before school starts, before mm-hmm. live instruction starts. Um, I do typically leave a little bit early, but that's so I can debrief myself and get ready for my second job. And then after my second job, I come back and do more schoolwork. So I'm glad um, you brought that up because I wanted to yeah. ask you about boundaries. That's something I know my mm. husband is struggling with. I'm struggling oh, with, I it, struggle with it. Is too. boundaries. And I'm starting, like I, I belong to teacher groups and stuff, and I'm starting to see people say that, you know, watch your boundaries. You're not uh, you're not uh, a quick, you know, quick stop story. You're not the 7-Eleven, you know. You just said, I mean, it is, yes, we all know it is a 24-7 job. That doesn't give people license to take advantage of that, you know. So, and it, and also you have to be the boundary setter for yourself. I know my, my husband's really struggling with that a lot. I just kind of made a mandate that I said, you have to come out and have lunch with us because he has been eating lunch at his desk. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, you get a half an hour, which isn't a whole lot. But I said, why didn't you come out? Oh, I had to like answer these emails. There was, there's always fires to be put out. And always. not only is he supporting students, he's supporting other teachers because he's a veteran teacher. So then he feels I like the weight of. Yes, they're supporting other teachers for struggling. I'm the fifth grade team lead, so that's another Mm -hmm. job title I have. Yeah, so many hats to wear, but you've got to set those boundaries. For my boundaries, um, when I get home from school about 3.30, I don't do any schoolwork or very, very little before my swim practice, my second job. I come home, I do a quick check, maybe 15 to 20 minutes to see what students have done the required work. I do. I have a little checklist to check it off and then that's it. And then I watch a lot of TV at night and I don't answer emails after like seven o'clock um, until, you know, five in the morning when I'm up the next day working out and then checking my email. So yeah, yeah I don't the sleep a lot, but um, watch his yeah. Brain. <laughs> yeah. So those are my kind of boundaries. And then good. I've been really good this year in terms of, um, the first couple of weeks I wasn't good. I was doing so much work on Saturday and Sunday lately. I've been working so hard at school that I'm able to relax over the weekend. Yesterday I did nothing school related today. I spent maybe an hour or two, which for me wasn't much. It was just a little last second. Is my canvas ready for tomorrow? Is my module re- ready and set for the students for tomorrow? Okay. So I really tried the best I can to leave most of the schoolwork at school. But for me, it's impossible to do that completely. Yeah. And I just make sure I work out a lot to deep stress. I watch a lot of TV and, you know, work out simultaneously, right? (laughs) Yeah. I watch TV, listen to music and run the treadmill in the morning. That's great. That's (laughs) great. Yeah. So I wanted to give you, so one more closing thought, not just for you, but for the listeners, um, before we, we do our little uh, tip to, to round this out was, uh, a quote that I see uh, posted a lot in teacher circles and stuff is um, be who you needed when you were younger. And I would like to extend that thought to the teachers as well. Be who you need, 
You know, if you need somebody to tell you, nope, you know, it's time to cut it off. No more emails. You know, I, I, I really wanted to drive that point home that that's something that I'm observing is really a struggle. And I think we all have to be very careful because teachers are getting burnout. Parents are getting burnout. Students are getting burnout. We are very, very fatigued. And it's really important to try to focus on what we can let go. You know, uh, it, it sounds like, you know, you've, we've all done so much work to lay this groundwork and this foundation. And let's utilize that. Let's help each other with technology. That's why, I, and I, I have so many, like I'm having to practice it right now. See, I have like a whole list of things that I want to ask, but we could just turn it into a whole other episode and I've got to right. let it go. I've got to set mm-hmm. a boundary here and say that we need to be who we needed when we were younger, even now that we're older. Um, so thank you so much for for coming on and and talking to us, Shannon. This was really, really fantastic. I, I think I would like to talk to you and pick your brain about other things in the future. You know, I think mm-hmm. it, it would be fun to just even get down into the nitty gritty about, you know, attendance taking and, and uh, how to get more engagement, you know, that kind of stuff. And with technology, you know, focused mm-hmm. on that. Um, so I did want to, uh, if you had any closing thoughts also. Um, I do. Good, good. Go ahead. Yep. All right. The l- one last thing I want to tell is we're all in this together. Teachers, parents, students, please be patient with one another. Uh, please be understanding. Please don't lash out at the teacher if you're frustrated with the teacher for something he or she did or an assignment that they didn't see your son, daughter do. Same thing that goes with teachers. Don't get frustrated with your parents. Be patient with your parents. Be patient with your students. We're all in this together. It's a unique situation that we've never dealt with before. So we need to have grace. We need to have patience. Much easier said than done, but we're in this together. We all have the end goal, which is for your child to be successful. Wonderful. Thank you so, so much. That's my So I would like to... <laughs> Elisa's mini me. <laughs> um, so I wanted to to leave you with like a little bonus parting uh, gift, if you will. And maybe you know how to do this, but maybe you don't. I'm kind of hoping that you don't because I wanted to teach you both something. So what I would like you to do is get out your iPhone. And um, first, I should ask you: Are you both running the latest version of iOS, which is iOS 14? Yes. It should be 14.2, but this was something you could do even if you haven't updated. So do you have your your iPhone handy? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. What I would like you to do next is go into the Photos app. And I just want you to pick a picture at random. And then once you've got it open, I want you to push upward on the screen so that it goes down just a little bit. And tell me, do oh. both of you see? Uh, don't say anything yet. <laughs> Maybe hopefully the, the listeners will, will follow along too. But do you see a map where it says places and nearby photos, that sort of thing? No. That's not what I you see. You don't see a map? No. Okay. I see something but else. Directly below the picture, do you see kind of in a gray area, does it say add a caption? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That's what we're going to learn about today. So captioning is a new feature in iOS 14 that I have been waiting for for so long. So what I'd like you to do is pick one of those pictures and I want you to add a caption there. So for my example, for this demonstration, I have a cute little picture. Maybe I'll put this in the show notes. Maybe I won't. Uh, I have a cute little picture of my dog Opal and she's wrapped up in a little towel and my son was trying to um, Mm -hmm. make her into one of those little towel seals. (laughs) And so I just took this picture and for the caption, I added um, puppy 
which is gonna kind of be a little bit too vague. Um, but then I added, uh, what did I put? I put seal. I put towel puppy. So now that I have the words towel puppy, that's more of a unique search. Now for me, everybody knows I'm I'm and that's what the the pictures. I have like over sixty thousand pictures on my phone. So it did take a little while, but eventually it did index. Now that I've entered that caption there, later on, if I wanted to go find, oh, where's that cute picture of Opal that I took when, where I dressed her up as a little towel puppy? I can type in the search terms towel puppy and it now finds the image immediately. So Very whenever cool. you're taking a documentation picture, like say maybe, maybe Shane, you had a lesson on a whiteboard or something that you took a picture of, mm-hmm. you can now put a caption on that picture. And then say you wanted to use that for a lesson later on down the road, like weeks from now, if you've remembered, if you're pretty diligent about keywords that you use, I mean, this is not exactly mm-hmm. a keyword. It's close. Keywords would be nice. Maybe that'll happen in a, in a future update. But like I know Elisa uses this for a lot of um, genealogy. She uses keywords and stuff. I do, too, for a lot of yep. things. But at least now you can get a caption into the metadata of the picture. And then when it synchronizes to your Mac in your photos, you can then go searching for that caption and find that picture, which is just fantastic, but even more so when you can do it on your phone. Because if your phone is what you have with you and you're looking for that picture, if you were diligent about the captions that you used and you remembered, you know, kind of you, if you do it in a keyword fashion, then you can go and you can find things now based on what you typed in for that caption. Here's a tip so within caption a tip. Photos. Here's a tip within yeah. a tip I just found. When you said to, you know, scroll up and then you said the map and so forth, uh-huh. is there a that is true when you take a picture because I scroll to a different picture that I actually took and I can see effects, people, places, I can see the map. That original picture I opened was a screenshot. Aha, uh-huh, yeah. So right. the screenshot only shows the caption. Mm-hmm. That would that would kind of make sense because your screenshot's always on your phone. That's the location. Yeah. I don't know that you would really need to know the location of which you were standing when you took the screenshot. But but, that but that's expl- the interesting thing. That explains so if, why I didn't see what right. you originally saw. Right, right. So if it's a screenshot and if you do need to add location data, like I took this screenshot at a conference in the state or whatever, in this place, you wanted to remember where it was that you took the screenshot, you could add that to the caption. Mm-hmm. And then later on, you could probably add some kind of tagging or metadata for location purposes. So that is the tip that I wanted to leave you and the listeners with. And I hope that you will be able to utilize that. Very cool. Well, thank you, Shane, for spending some time with us and sharing your experiences with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, we'll have to have you back. Thank you for having me. Okay. We will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Shane. Bye. Thank you, Mr. Paselli. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed that interview. We had so many more questions that we wanted to ask Shane, but we just didn't have enough time. There's just only so many hours in the day. Yeah. Yeah. So we would like to hear from you what you thought of the interview, uh, other people that you would like us to interview, other topics you would like us to talk about. Uh, Let us know. You can reach us at Geekiest Show on Twitter, or you can email us, and that is what is it? I don't have it in front of me right now, to be honest with you. Is it podcast? Po- podcast, yeah. Podcast <laughs> at geekyshowever.com. It's podcast at geekyshowever.com. We really do want to hear from you. We want to hear about topic ideas, interview ideas. 
what you think about what we talked about, any questions yeah. that you might want us to relate to people that we have spoken with. Um, I'm sure they are happy to answer. So please reach out. Um, let us know what you think. It'd be great to get some feedback. We want to know if you're even listening out there. <laughs> hello. Hello out there. Does anybody have time to listen anymore? I listen when I'm taking a walk. I listen when I'm doing things around the house. When I'm taking a shower in the morning, when I'm dusting, while washing dishes, things like that. That's when I do most of my listening. In the car. And that's what I want to be able to do. And I will follow back when I get my new little toy in the mail today. And I'll, we'll just we'll just tease that out for the next time. Yeah, a little spoiler for the next episode. So we be talking about how to create a space for yourself using technology. Mm-hmm. So with that, we are going to say thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will see you in a couple of weeks. And please stay safe. I'm Bart Bouchard, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie.